Hi everyone, Sebastian Richard uh, live coming to you tonight and um, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of this broadcast. So uh, tonight we're going to continue our series about as in the days of Noah. So we are at part three. It's going to be the final part where we talk about this subject. And I have a lot of information to cover, a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff I'm going to be talking about tonight that is more uh, at the level, I guess, of uh, personal study, to some degree, some conjecture. Uh, so there's stuff I'm going to be presenting tonight that might be, in other words, controversial, stuff you might not agree with. And you know what? That's fine. The only thing I expect from my listeners, from my viewers, is that when you don't agree, don't become disagreeable. And if you don't agree, I encourage you to do your own research and to see if these things are so. Be a, a good Berean uh, and look at these things and consider them for yourself and uh, ask the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth. That's what I've done for many, many years, and it's served me very, very well. And uh, so tonight I'm going to be uh, talking about uh, aliens, watchers, and our technology. So that's uh, as in the days of Noah part three. That's what we're going to tackle tonight. And uh, I wanted to start with a passage in Daniel that uh, I went through recently that, uh, that's been interpreted a certain way for many, many, many years. And I'm thinking that this interpretation is pretty much out the window. I mean, we are in a time, it's a very interesting time because we're in a time where uh, our interpretation of Bible prophecy is it's evolving, it's changing. Uh, we're gaining new understanding in light of current events, in light of the way the geopolitical world is evolving. And there's many, many things that I used to believe 20 years ago, 10 years ago, that has gone completely out the window. And as believers, I believe we're, we're really forced to uh, to to reevaluate our positions, to reevaluate our convictions, to seek God, to ask him where this is all going, because there's a lot of things happening and there's a lot of confusion involved in uh, what we're seeing. But one of these uh, passages that really spoke to me recently was the passage of Daniel chapter two. If you remember uh, uh, the book of Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was given a dream. And uh, it was about a statue, and he couldn't interpret the dream. And he, he sought the, the wise men and all that of his kingdom, and, and uh, they couldn't imp interpret the dream properly. And Daniel gave him the proper interpretation, and it was about uh, kingdoms, right? Four kingdoms that were going to successfully uh, succeed each other. And uh, Bible, Bible prophecy teachers have been interpreting these kingdoms uh, they got the three first ones pretty that pretty pinned down. Um, there was a uh, Medo Persians. There was um, ba it was a Babylon, Medo Persians, and Greece, uh, Rome. Anyway, I, I kind of forget which kingdoms. But the point is, the fourth kingdom. We were told for many, many, many years that most Bible prophecy experts or um, students believed that it would be a form of revived Roman Empire. 
a form of the revived Roman Empire. And they had all kinds of uh, theories. And uh, I remember you go back 20 years, they were pointing to the European Union. They were thinking that was going to be it. And it wasn't really and, and with the dismantling of, of this um, this fragile union. Uh, we were proven that it wasn't that. And as I read it recently, I really came to the conclusion that um, my personal conviction, it's the United States. And before you jump the gun, before you you you, you go crazy, uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want my listeners to know that I love the United States. I'm Canadian, but as you can see from my hat, big fan, love the country, love what uh, how the what the country was built upon, the values it was built upon, and um, what they stood for, what many of its citizens and its uh, most faithful leaders stood on for many, many decades and even centuries. Obviously, the United States of today are not the United States the way they were founded and intended. Uh, there's a huge uh, difference between the United States today and what uh, the, the founding fathers intended. But I'm going to read to you uh, from Daniel chapter 2, verses 39 to 43, and then I'm going to give you what I think uh, some of these things mean anyway. So Daniel 2, 39 to 43 reads this way, after you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. So Daniel's talking to, to the king. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. And finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you, as you saw iron mixed with clay. So, these feet of the statue, they were made of iron mixed with clay. And that's what Daniel is, ex is explaining here, that the, that particular kingdom would be would have the strength of iron, but the weakness of clay. And they don't mix. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. So now in verse 43, we have a different angle. He's talking about the people themselves. And uh, that's from the NIV. So the NIV has it this way. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. You probably see where I'm going with this. And I read it in other versions because I was curious to see how other versions rendered that particular verse. So verse 43 in the ESV reads, As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. Okay, so we have a, a kind of a different view here. It's more like about marriage in the ESV. Now in the New King James Version, it was even more interesting as I kept going. So in the New King James read as uh, this way, verse 43, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they, 
will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. So I thought that the New King James really brought to light certain elements that perhaps the other two versions were lacking. So there's a very, this is a very, very interesting verse that is pretty hard to unpack, but I'm going to try anyway for the benefit of the listeners, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching this broadcast right now. So since its inception, you know, the United States have been a very powerful kingdom. Uh, they they grew in, 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 in commerce. They grew in all kinds of technology. Uh, their, their military is very powerful. Um, and uh, I remember uh, a story of, jeez, um, I forget, it was this French aristocrat who was sent by the king of France because the king wanted to know what made the United States so successful and so strong. And that aristocrat, uh, Best, was it Bastia, Frederick Bastia, or am, am I on, is it someone else? I forget who it was. Forgive me about that. Maybe one of you will uh, write in in the comments. So this aristocrat sent by the king that is goes all across the United States at the time, uh, visits their marketplaces, their industry, their leaders, talks with a lot of people, does is a, a huge investigation to try to figure out what made the United States so strong. And he wrote in his notes, he said, I went and visited all that I could about the United States, but I didn't see that big a discrepancy with the way they did business and their industry and all that with what we had back in France. So I couldn't really pin it down until I visited the United States' churches, their local churches. It is when I witnessed the fiery preaching that came from their pulpits, the passion for God and the passion for righteousness that was espoused by the preachers and, and, and by the congregants, that is when I understood where the United States get their power. And he said this, he ended the, the, the notes, what he sent back to the king, the report, he, he ended it with this. He said, if, he said, the United States are strong because they are good. The minute they cease to be good, they will cease to be strong. And I wish I had the, the source of that, but I, I, got, I have the, the last quote, the ending of it. I pinned it down, but I just don't have the name and the, the source of it. But that says a lot. That says a lot about what explained the explosive growth of the United States into a world power. So, uh, so this this is my belief is that this this kingdom in Daniel chapter two, uh, that last kingdom described as the toes of of uh, clay and iron. I believe personally from personal study and conviction that these are the United States. I'm going to look, I'm going to tell you why. So America, despite its innovation, uh, despite its military strength, it's in its industrial strength, it's uh, uh, world stage um, financial presence has been a divided nation since its inception. So they have, shown these signs of strong as iron and, and with the weakness of clay in, in them. And we're going to look at those divisions across its history. For some of you, 
you might, I may say things here that you would disagree with or that you might have never heard. And, and I would encourage you to research it for yourself. The founding fathers, you know, most people, most average Christians believe that the founding fathers were all evangelical type Christians, uh, uh, conservative, and, and that they all had the same um, uh, view of God and Jesus Christ and the Bible. But that is not quite the case. Uh, there was a lot of uh, deists among the founding fathers. And when I mean by deists, that they believe in God, but they didn't believe in the principles of scriptures and in Jesus Christ the way uh, we believe in Jesus Christ and Christianity. Uh, so a lot of them had embraced Freemasonry. A lot of them were, in fact, Masons or closet Masons. Uh, so some thought among the founding fathers, many were Christians, so they, they thought they were uh, spreading the influence of Christianity into the new world. But others believed they were taking part in the creation of a new Atlantis. Uh, what we have on the back of the dollar bill, a novo ordo seclorum, a new secular order of the ages. So if you, if you want to see what I mean, just look at the back of the dollar bill and, and it's right there in plain sight for all to see. So there was, from the inception, from the get-go, there was a division in philosophy and in understanding of what they were actually accomplishing. Some of the founding fathers actually thought they were descendants of the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, and who were spreading uh, uh, the, the nation of Israel to this new land, even and, the, and Christianity and the power of Christianity and, and Jesus Christ and the gospel, while others uh, had a different view and they thought that they were uh, becoming a new Atlantis or a new order of the ages or what we have today, a new world order. Now, later in its history, the division was manifested differently between uh, the colonies. And we know, like if you studied a little bit uh, the United States history, you know about the North and the South and uh, the the abolitionists and the non-abolitionists about the uh, the slavery issue and eventually it led to a civil war but it wasn't just the, the slavery issue there were other factors uh, economic factors at the time uh, that i'm not fully uh, in the in the know about but i've heard about it so i'm not going to share about the, the the economic factors but all this to say there was the north and the south so there was another division and there was a civil war so i mean there's there's no greater division than a nation that has a civil war within its borders right so there was that division so again iron clay divided and then of course we we know that there was the the marked division between um, uh, african americans and whites so blacks and the whites that the racial division a division that unfortunately is still going on to this day, to some degree anyway. Later still, it became Democrat versus Republican. So another type of division, the, the two-party uh, struggle of power, uh, which I, I don't think should exist. But but you see, I'm saying this, but to be honest, I mean, in Canada, we have like a, right now we have a federal election coming. We have like six parties uh, and and I don't like any of them except maybe one that I kind of like, but I mean, it's really disappointing. <laughs> so it's not because you have more parties that you necessarily have better choices. That's all I'm saying. So uh, so there was the Democrats versus the Republicans, the left versus the right. Uh, 
And that is a conflict that is very delineated right now, very clear. The two camps are very, very uh, easily differentiated. So it is very, very fervent, the, the, uh, the war, the, 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 this ideological war between these two um, sides. There's also the pro-lifers, the pro-choicers for, uh, for the abortion issue, much division there. Uh, so conservatives versus liberals. And the, the lines have never been clearer than they are today. I mean, the, the United States is a country divided, still the world power. There's China. <laughs> There's, I'm not going to talk about China, but they're there. But the United States are still that world power, but divided, divided. And more recently, and uh, it's, this is coming, it's really rearing its ugly head. We, we have the pro the pro-vaxxers and the, the anti-vaxxers, right? So we know that there's this, uh, again, this division everywhere. So uh, this, uh, this latest narrative has taken a very interesting form. Now it has to do uh, to some degree with human DNA now, or, or, or the fear of it is, has to do with that, right? So we seem to be in a fight right now to preserve the purity of human DNA because of all these... Um, trust the science kind of thing going, right? But to reiterate verse 41 and verse 43, verse 41, just as you saw the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. I, I can't help but see the United States uh, in a big way in this prophecy. And verse 43 from the New King James Version, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the King James Version, verse 43 in the King James, the old King James, and whereas thou sawest, sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. It's interesting because it says miry clay, so it's not it's not clear. They shall they shall mingle themselves. They they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Personal conviction again. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm <laughs> sharing this with you guys tonight. I think it's really interesting. I believe that they, in verse 43, in the King James, King James Version, is linked to the them in Genesis 6.13. Remember, we're doing a series called, As in the Days of Noah, So Shall It Be When the Son of Man Returns. So in other words, the generation preceding the return of Christ is going to be very similar to the one that was in the days of Noah. There was there's going to be a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. Well, if we go back to Genesis 6:13, which is the generation of Noah, there's a passage where the word them is used. Genesis 6:13, and God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, in Sunday school, I grew up 
being taught that that was the evil, wicked man. But now we've done this series, one, two, three, and, and we know that the them that Yahweh is referring to here are the mixed breeds, the Nephilim, those who were the progeny of a relation, of relations with uh, between angels and women who became mixed breed humans with powers uh, that were heroes of old. In other words, that could accomplish things that normal man couldn't. But they were they were wicked, and they were not a creation that God approved of at all. So that's the them that is spoken of in Genesis six thirteen, the them, the hybrids, the Nephilim, the fallen ones. And and I believe we are indeed just as in the days of Noah again. So I believe that in Daniel chapter two, I believe that the they is the same as the them from Genesis, that we are seeing a lot of hybridization going, a lot of stuff that is not, that it that has to do with spiritual forces at work, demonic forces at work, Nephilim, maybe even a return of the Nephilim in a, in a guise that we don't fully recognize, in a guise that we don't fully recognize. So I'm going to talk about that, the guise I think this is. Back in the 1950s, I'm going to talk about the U.S. government and the alien pact that was done. And when I say alien, uh, I don't believe outer space aliens the way we're traditionally taught aliens are. Uh, I, 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 I see them more as fallen angels slash demons slash Nephilim beings. Okay. So in 1957, the MJ-12 committee brokered a sit-down between the alien greys, what we know as these alien greys, and President Dwight D. Eisenhower, during which an agreement was reached to enable or to give permission to these alien beings studies of human biology via abductions. And animal mutilate and also animal mutilations in exchange, these these uh, aliens told the government, said, "Look, we'll give you technology beyond your wildest dreams." So the government was like, "Yeah, we're going to get great advances, great technological advances, and uh, we'll just deny we know anything about aliens." Uh, so this black technology. Uh, given to the, the government back in the maybe maybe even earlier than 1957, but the one that is mostly documented is from 1957. So these this black technology that would lead to all kinds of developments, especially in the military, like the B2 stealth bomber, uh, and and so many other things. But later, it was even suggested that John F. Kennedy's um, decision or, or that he possibly might have done a, a made a decision or, or wanted to reveal the MJ-12 alien negotiations. He wanted to tell the public about them. Some have surmised that this might have led to his assassination. Now we know that there was a combination of many things that led to JFK's uh, assassination. That might have been one of those or at the prime, uh, one of the top reasons. So I think it's very interesting 
the coincidence that since the late 40s, there has been in the Western world, in the United States especially, a literal explosion of technological advances, breakthroughs, and, and, and great uh, giant leaps. So I don't think that's a coincidence. I really don't. See, in the days of Noah, we saw it in part one that the, these fallen ones, these fallen angels that came down on the earth gave men tremendous advancements in technology and uh, all kinds of inventions that made mankind advance to a level they weren't able to, to really wisely manage. So that was something that God didn't approve of. And now we're seeing we're, we've, we're seeing with these alien beings very, very similar uh, contracts, very similar um, advances that have been made for mankind. And there were whistleblowers. There have been people in high places in the government warning us of these things, telling us that these things have been so, that these things have happened uh, back in 2010, maybe even earlier, ex-Canadian Minister of Defense, the Honorable Paul Ellier, became a whistleblower about the alien agenda. So he was not Minister of Defense when he did that, but he, he came forth with tremendous uh, knowledge and intelligence. And I'm going to share with you a clip where he speaks about this. So Paul Ellier, let me see here. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to put myself in background mode before I share it because uh, the video is very squarish and uh, it's going to look weird if I don't. So I'm just going to put myself. Stephen uh, has said that talking about UFOs is passe and that we should be talking or limiting our talk to exopolitics. Well, Stephen, I agree with you in theory, but in reality, we have a problem when official U.S. policy insists that UFOs don't exist. The veil of secrecy must be lifted, and it has to be lifted now, before it is too late. It is ironic that the U.S. would begin a devastating war, allegedly in search of weapons of mass destruction, when the most worrisome developments in this field are occurring in your own backyard. It is ironic. It is ironic that the U.S. should be fighting monstrously expensive wars in Iraq and Afghanistan allegedly to bring democracy to those two countries when it itself can no longer legitimately claim to be called a democracy when trillions, and I mean thousands of billions of dollars have been spent on projects about which both the Congress and the Commander-in-Chief have been kept deliberately in the dark. How much has been accomplished in 60 years of feverish activity by some of the most educated minds in the United States? Has America developed flying saucers that are visually indistinguishable from the visitors, as alleged? And if so, what do they propose to do with them?
Even more critical, what progress has been made in the development of clean energy sources that could conceivably replace fossil fuels and save the planet from becoming a veritable wasteland? Well, who has the answers? Someone does, but apparently they aren't telling either secretaries of defense or presidents because they don't have, quote, a need to know. In a story told by Dr. Stephen Greer, President uh, Clinton was asked a question by White House reporter Sarah McClendon about why he didn't do something about uh, disclosure. And Clinton replied, Sarah, there's a government inside the government and I don't control it. Excuse me, doesn't the Commander-in-Chief and the person who allegedly has their finger on the nuclear trigger have a right to know what his subordinates are doing? The people of the United States who have paid the bills have the right to know. The people of the world demand to know because it is our descendants too whose lives are in mortal danger. It is time for the people of the United States to launch a new war against the evil of lies, deceit, and darkness and go all out to win the victory of truth and transparency and light. Thank you. So uh, that was Paul Hellyer, ex-Minister of Defense of Canada, um, basically stating in no uncertain terms that, yes, there has been a lot of uh, cover-up in the alien uh, stuff. And that's nothing that I, I mean, I, you guys know this, right? I mean, everybody knows this. Anybody in the street knows that there's been cover-up concerning UFOs, but we don't really understand the fullness of how much has been covered that's the that's the thing really it's like what are we talking about here and uh, so yeah there was paul hellier who was a whistleblower in canada but there was an even greater one in the united states his name was phil schneider so back in 1995 he was on a crusade giving um conferences and, and uh, lectures all the way until his death in 1996. Now, who was who was Phil Schneider? I'm going to tell you who he was. He was a geologist. A geologist is someone who studies the soils and the rocks and the beds of rocks and who know um, all kinds of characteristics and, and properties of rocks and bedrocks and all that. He was hired by the U.S. government because the U.S. government was commissioning the building of deep underground military bases. So called DUMBs, DUMB, D-U-M-B. So they were commissioned and Schneider was hired and he had a level three clearance, uh, security clearance and top secret clearance for the project. And uh, they were sent to Dolce, New Mexico. They, and there uh, in their digging, they, uh, 
they fell upon aliens. I don't have, I'm not going to tell you the full story, but they fell upon aliens. 60 men, 66 uh, military men went in. Only three survived the encounter. So it was a pretty nasty, <laughs> nasty encounter. But uh, Phil Schneider was one of those who survived, although he, he did lose fingers in that fight. But then uh, later, when he when he finally left, when he left the government, he became a, a whistleblower and quite the whistleblower, too. Uh, I'm not going to go into full details. Many believe that Phil Schneider was um, uh, assassinated. They, ca they, they called it a suicide. Let's just put it that way, right? They called it a suicide. If, if pro probably uh, Hillary was was involved in calling it a suicide, <laughs> but the point is, he was trained in the building and he was participating in the building of these deep underground military bases, which are very particular. Uh, they have many uh, le uh, levels to them, uh, super high tech, top secret stuff. Uh, they are linked by underground. Uh, trains high speed transit systems linking them very high speed trains uh, and the, at the time in the us the, he said that there were 130 of those and he said that there were 30 in canada now that's back in the 90s so god knows how many there are today right so these numbers probably changed quite a bit uh also i remember in one of his lectures he shared uh the certain metals that he had access to and he said that they had metals that were unknown unknown metals that were used in construction construction of the all kinds of technology that they were using and uh, the, these metals did, weren't even found on the table of the elements that's how unknown they were so he says that i think he disclosed information about the table of the elements how uh, how many more elements there were in, in reality, as opposed to the charts that we do have, there were more elements uh, known to, to them since then that uh, they had the real chart and we had the, the school charts, basically. And he said something that was very, very interesting uh, in uh, his lectures. By the way, if you want to uh, listen to his lectures, amazingly, and it's probably because it's very old videos with not very good sound quality, but amazingly, you can still find these videos. You can still go on YouTube and just type type in what I told you, and you will find those videos. And the lectures are over an hour long, and it's worth your time because he discloses stuff that is shocking, uh, very shocking. But he said something. He said, you know, the, the latest tech that we have, so in our case, it would be the iPhones, right? The latest iPhone that we have that's amazing in itself, right? We, we, we love the technology. He said that the government's, is about 150 years ahead of that in reality. So what they give us are like the the crumbs that fall off the table. They don't they don't you, you don't have access to the latest tech even though you think you do. They have access to the latest tech and it's 150 years ahead of what you hold in your hands every day. And I'm going to share with you a, a clip um, about uh, Phil Schneider, but about technology that uh, certain technology that, that we do uh, have. So I'm going to do what I did earlier and just uh, 
Hi and welcome to my YouTube channel. This is still David or Dave, very much alive and well. I do apologize, I haven't been uploading new tech-based videos. I've been occupied by so many other things. So among others, I have been diving into strange waters. This is basically a scene from the movie The Core. And when I first saw it, I made an interesting connection to another video from Phil Schneider, where he was talking about how those deep underground military bases were supposedly built. Now listen to this. Now boring machines, for instance, they don't bore. They literally vitrify and melt the rock, deflagrate the rock. It's a very sophisticated laser uh, uh, melting and deflagrating system. It reduces the rock to a powder and then melts the the remaining rock is a coating on the inside of the base so you don't have to use gunite cements and other kinds of things like that that's all the all old hat now uh, technology so just basically the new technology we get is the old hat of the military I'm going to be real brief about it so what are your thoughts on the basis of what you've seen and heard is this plausible feasible or just one of those interesting random coincidences that we find in movies or predictive programming let me know in the comments Bye. Uh, I like it. So the voice you heard on the video was that was the voice of Phil Schneider. And it's interesting how he said that we were basically getting the old stuff of the military, that the latest tech that we have is the old, that's their old stuff that's like not in use anymore. <laughs> so, so yeah, look, look him up. You're going to really be, um, you're going to find it very interesting, especially if you're an American and you're a patriot. You, th that's the stuff. He was an American. He was a patriot. And he lost his life for his country because he wanted his countrymen to know what was going on, uh, to know what the government was up to. And he really wanted to, the people to know this. Another person of note, if you want to research, I don't know if you could find that. I didn't look for it or anything, but Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler actually taught, uh, did some teachings. He was a, one of the greatest Bible teachers I've ever heard personally. He was a really great teacher. And he did a teaching about the return of the Nephilim. And he argued in his teaching that they were indeed what he thought we identified as aliens today. So, so he thought that these, were, these beings were, in fact, uh, hybrids or, or fallen angels or demons or a combination of all three, who knows, but uh, they, they were not from outer space or in the distant galaxy, but they were in fact uh, evil beings trying to deceive mankind. Another thing that I, I, I find interesting is in the book of Revelation, we're, we're, so we're talking about aliens, right? In the book of Rele Revelation, there's a, a couple of interesting verses that uh, caught my attention and I'm not saying that these are about aliens but I'm saying that they caught my attention and I'm thinking maybe there is a connection there do you remember uh, the 1993 movie titled fire in the sky fire in the sky that movie told the story of Travis Walton who was abducted by aliens and experimented upon by them uh, so he was uh, found I think five days later uh, naked in the woods and uh, he was traumatized he had he was in shock uh, so they were looking all over for him and uh, they thought his friends had, had done bad things to him or killed him maybe but uh, it was revealed that later by him that, that, that he was abducted so I thought the name of the movie fire 
in the sky was very interesting because we have this verse in Revelation chapter 13, 13. So Revelation 13, 13, about the second beast, which says, and he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. See, I don't think, I don't think that this type of fire is the same fire, uh, for example, where Elijah was confronting the prophets of Baal and the fire of Yahweh came down and burned the, 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 the water all around and the offering and all that. That is not the same type of fire, I believe. I think that this, uh, this is going to be potentially, I'm not saying it, it's that, but I'm saying it could be that this uh, the false prophet or the, the Antichrist will, will make the fire come down in the sight of men. That I thought was interesting. In the sight of men. In other words, it's not, it's not in the sight of men, usually, that fire. But now it comes in their sight so they can see it up close. I thought that was interesting. And in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 16, verse 13, we read this. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, and out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So out of the mouth of all three. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth in unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of god almighty but what caught my attention was their description three unclean spirits like frogs and i always thought uh that when you do look at, at the, the supposed the, the grays those we call grays with the big black eyes i always thought they kind of look like frogs just putting that out there. Don't quote me on that. I'm just sharing my thoughts, sharing some observations tonight, okay? Uh, I also want to talk about the beasts of uh, the earth, spoken of in Revelation also. Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, or green horse, and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. I thought that was so interesting. I thought that's interesting. It's like, okay, so are we going to have to deal with like wolves and bears and, and, and animals coming out of the woodworks? I mean, nothing's impossible. I mean, it's going to be complete chaos in the, uh, the tribulation. But here's the, here's the interesting part. Since I would say the last decade, I have noticed, I have, I've seen a, 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 a great abundance of Bigfoot sightings. There's been more and more people saying they see strange creatures. You can even find those some of those videos on YouTube. Strange creatures, night creatures. They, they look demonic. But Bigfoot is another, that's another type of, of creature. That's more like a animal-like. They've been on the increase, these Bigfoot sightings. There's even uh, podcasts about those where people come on and they share their, their encounter stories. It's very common. It's not as like, see, 
uh, and these podcasts, uh, what I found interesting when I listened to them is the people sharing their stories always say, well, not always, but many of them say, this feels so good to be able to share without being ridiculed. Because what I saw, I know what I saw. And whenever I spoke to my friends or family, they would laugh me off. But you're offering us a platform where we can share this stuff. So I think that, in other words, I'm, I'm, my belief, my personal conviction is that these people are saying the truth. They did see some strange animals in the woods. And there's even stranger than Bigfoot. There's what is called the dog man, which is very sinister, very sinister. And I've listened to these uh, dog men, some of these dog man encounters. These are like Lugaru, werewolf type creatures, giant seven to eight foot tall dogs that, that they walk on all four. They're about like maybe four feet tall when they walk on all four, but then they get up on two legs and they walk like a man. They, they're reminiscent of the uh, Greek, uh, not Greek, but Egyptian god, Anubis. I think it's Anubis, who had the, the head of a jackal. You can see him on hieroglyphs. Well, maybe they knew a thing that we don't know today, but maybe these things are, are becoming more and more part of our world as we approach the end times, as the pulse of the earth is accelerating for this, the return of Christ. We're seeing a lot more things manifest in the supernatural, but also in the natural, in, the, in our forests, in our caverns, in our lakes, in our oceans. There's another whistleblower by the name of Colonel Lieutenant S.C. Colonel Lieutenant S.C. I've heard him on uh, many times on, on uh, podcasts. Um, so he was a high-ranking military also. And he, he blew the whistle on these deep underground military bases. He said that he went, he went there a couple times and he did see held captive in those bases very frightening creatures, hybrids, scientific experiments, monstrous creatures, really. So these are the, this is the kind of level stuff that we're dealing with. It, it's, whereas... In it, as in the days of Noah, but the days of Noah were not what we were taught. They were not about men just being mean and committing murders. There was that, there was that, but it was a lot more going on. There was a lot more for God to flood the whole earth that was going on than just men being sinful. Okay, it was a lot more than that. Uh, and and speaking of Revelation, we've been I've been quoting from Revelation. Obviously, it's a book that's very um, we should be reading it now. And it's interesting to me that there's a, this promise attached to the book of Revelation when that, that says when you read out loud from this book, there's blessing attached to it. There's a special blessing for those who will read out loud from this book. I think that's very interesting. It's the only book in the Bible that has that promise. So Revelation chapter nine. Uh, verses 13 to 15, it tells us that there's going to be even uh, angels released from the pit that will slaughter mankind. So Revelation 9, 13 to 15, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed. 
which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of man. So a third of mankind was going to be uh, killed by these four angels that are loosed. So they were bound. So if they were bound, they, they certainly weren't good angels. They weren't, they weren't angels of God. So they were fallen angels. Now that's interesting. And they're loosed for an hour and a day and a month and a year. So a specific, a very specific time in history to slay a third part of men. And this particular passage brings me to the book of Enoch, in which I saw a parallel there. There was a parallel in Enoch chapter 10. I want to share that with you. I'm going to read to you from Enoch chapter, uh, chapter 10. And after that, I'm going to share with you another clip. I know there's a lot of clips tonight because, you know, there's guys out there. Uh, John Maxwell once said this. He said, most of my uh, best thinking has been done by others. Well, I can say the exact same thing. Most of my best thinking has been done by others. In other words, sometimes there's sources that are better or more adequate than we are to explain certain matters or certain things, especially me. I mean, English is my second language. You probably noticed. So I'm going to read to you Enoch chapter 10, and then I'm going to share a clip uh, featuring Tom Horn, who kind of gives more in-depth uh, detail about that chapter. Enoch chapter 10. Then said the Most High, the Holy and Great One spake, and sent Uriel, Uriel was a, uh, an angel, a mighty angel of God, to the son of Lamech, or Lamech, Lamech, and said to him, go to Noah, and tell him in my name, hide thyself, and reveal to him the end that is approaching, that the whole earth will be destroyed, and a deluge is about to come upon the whole earth, and will destroy all that is on it. And now instruct him that he may escape, and his seed may be preserved for all generations of the world. Remember, we're talking about as in the days of Noah. So it's good to go where there's extra biblical information about the days of Noah. We know the information is in the Bible. There's still glimpses there that we haven't fully understood, but I like going in these other writings because we get more glimpses, okay? And again, and this I bolded because this is very important. And again, the Lord said to Raphael, uh, Raphael, another angel, bind Azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert, which is in Dudael, and cast him therein and place upon him rough and jagged rocks, and cover him with darkness, and let him abide there forever, and cover his face, that he may not see light. And on the day of the great judgment, he shall be cast into the fire. And then he says to Raphael, and heal the earth, which the angels have corrupted, the fallen angels, and proclaim the healing of the earth, that they may heal the plague and that all the children of men may not perish through all the secret things that the watchers have disclosed and have taught their sons. 
And the whole earth has been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel to him ascribe all sins, or in other words, make him the guiltiest party. And to Gabriel, said the Lord, another angel, proceed against the bastards and the reprobates and against the children of fornication and destroy the children of fornication and the children of the watchers from among men and cause, cause them to go forth. Send them one against the other that they may destroy each other in battle. For length of days they shall not have. And no request that they, i.e. their fathers, make of thee shall be granted unto their fathers on their behalf. For they hope to live an eternal life and that each one of them will live 500 years. So basically condemn the Nephilim to fight each other and kill each other. And the Lord said unto Michael, Go, bind Sanjaza and his associates, who have united themselves with women, so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness. And when their sons have slain one another, and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, bind them fast for seventy, seventy generations in the valleys of the earth till the day of their judgment and of their consummation till the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated. In those days, they shall be led off to the abyss of fire and to the torment and the prison in which they shall be confined forever. And there's more here, but I'm not going to read the more because this is getting long and I don't want to go too long for you guys, okay? But this is Enoch chapter 10. Now, they speak of 70 generations that these bound fallen ones, watchers, these bound watchers in the desert of Dudael, there's many, many theories because there's many researchers who've kind of tried to figure this prophecy out. And one of the best of these researchers is, in my opinion, is Tom Horn. So he's a biblical researcher, he's an author, and he gave his two cents as to the date that he believes that this prophecy in Enoch will be fulfilled. And I'm going to share with you this clip featuring Tom Horn on a podcast. And you're going to find that very interesting. Well, I did. I found it interesting. So I'm sharing it with you guys. To get straight to the point, because I know we don't have a lot of time. That's okay. They were judged in the flood. But here's what it says in the 10th chapter of the book of Enoch. It says that they would be bound beneath the hills of the earth for 70 generations from the time of the flood until the days of their final judgment when they then are going to be released. And there's two things going on here. There's the watchers, the fallen angels, and then there's what they created, the Nephilim, the giants. Right. And here's what it says in the book of Enoch, that they'll be released from those confines after 70 generations and thrown into an abyss of fire. So now this sounds like the book of Revelation, yeah. where the dragon, there's judgments that are being, being uh, passed out, angels are being thrown into the lake of fire. So that's going to happen after 70 generations. And, and it says that they'll there be confined forever. But then in the 15th chapter, Enoch starts writing about the deceased offspring of the Watchers, the Giants, the Nephilim. And he describes some of them as being released at the same time 
but they have a, they essentially have a job that has to do with judgment, and they're going to be bring slaughter and destruction upon unredeemed mankind. Enoch fifteen nine through ten talks about that how the spirits of the giants would be concealed until seventy generations. They won't rise up against the sons of men against women, but then after the seventy generations, they're going to rise up and bring slaughter and destruction upon the earth. Now that prophecy is important, I think, because it also mirrors those that are in the book of Isaiah and other apocryphal books that say there is a future date in which watchers are going to rise for judgment and their giant offspring. Some of these ancient books, like Jubilees and whatever, say 10% of the giant offspring, they're going to come up out of the hills of the earth. Gateways are going to open, and they're going to wreak havoc upon the earth. Now, this 70 generations is interesting because it's dated from the time of the flood. Right. So from the time of the flood, they're going to be bound for 70 generations. Now, it, it, this is kind of tricky, uh, and I'm not a date setter. I wouldn't try to set any kind of dates. All uh -huh. I would say is this. If you look at traditional scholarship, which quite often has been wrong, because it's everybody's best guess. We can't yeah. really know these exact dates. Sure. But traditional scholarship says the time of the Great Flood happened sometime around 2500 to 2300 B.C. But there's modern dating uh, by researchers that estimate the flood actually transpired between 3000 and 2600 B.C., um, there's a group of scientists that's actually made up of like seven or eight nations. They're called the Holocene Impact Working Group. And they ha hypothesize these different dates from the Great Flood because they have evidence that a comet struck the Indian Ocean about that time, and it resulted in a mega tsunami. So, you know, people don't, the, the secular world don't like to think of things as miraculous, as God's power. So they, but there's evidence sure. for a global flood. Yeah. up on some of the highest mountains in the world, and there's seashells up there, right? So, okay, mm -hmm. at one time, the earth was underwater. When did that happen? Yeah. And so they believe they have evidence of when it happened. Now, why is that important? Because a prophetic generation is 70 years based on Psalms um, 90, 10. The days of our years will be three school years and 10, 70 years. Uh, Enoch, 70 generations times 70 years equals exactly 4,900 years from the time of the flood forward. So it's pretty important to know when the flood might have happened, because any of those dates that you pick, any of them tell you that essentially we are right now today on borrowed time. From the t If you take the, the, the traditional scholarship, if you take the Holocene impact group studies, any of those, all of them are, are looking at somewhere between... 2,300 to 3,000, just a, a, their best guess about when the Great Flood actually occurred. But if you take those dates and, and, and point forward by 4,900 years, by 70 generations, essentially it brings you to right now. Wow. So if those prophecies are true, if the Watchers are going to be released after 70 generations, if the Giants are going to come through gateways to bring forth havoc and mistreatment of, of, of fallen humanity, then basically we're talking about right now. Seventy generations have lapsed according to uh, all of the best estimates about that timing, about that dating. So it's a very important... So I think uh, this clip is fascinating. It's so interesting to see 
the correlation between the days of Noah, the days of today, the Nephilim back then, and the Nephilim making a return today in a different guise. Um, I don't know if, if, if I believe that they're going to be giants running in the earth again, uh, but I do know that there's a lot of hybridization going on in dumbs and on uh, so-called uh, spaceships. Um, women got impregnated. I mean, I, there's, there's so much going on that, unfortunately, the governments of the world have allowed because of their greed for power and their greed for more money. And um, it, I, I mean, some days I think about the return of our Lord Jesus, and I, I really am anxious for it to happen. But there's a lot of work that we still need to do on this planet. If you're here today, there's a ton of work. There's a special call on your life. Uh, and there, you, we have to fulfill what God is asking us to do. And uh, it says in the end times that um, the Antichrist will wage war against the saints. We're going through that, I believe, right now. We're going through that uh, war waging against the saints, against the church of the Most High God. And uh, these are difficult days. This has been like this three-part series about the days of Noah. Has it, it's been hard to do because it's not super positive, right? It's not like, ooh, you know, whatever, like revival or a personal growth or leadership. or It's about more a more somber agenda. But I felt in my heart of hearts that this is the type of information that my listeners need. And, and deserve to know. Uh, and I'm not telling you everything, uh, by the way, uh, because I love you. <laughs> There's stuff I do know that if I told you, you would either call me crazy or you'd be traumatized. So I don't like there's stuff I withhold and, and rightfully so because God is keeping me accountable to him. Uh, but there's stuff that, that I'm at liberty to share with you guys as as far as censorship is concerned, I don't have much power over that. I'm trying to be careful, of course, but uh, we know how that goes. And uh, but but I really feel that this we're in a season where some of this information needs to come out and needs to come out more. Um, I find it, it's a shame to see sometimes uh, leaders in the church not talking about stuff uh, that they know they know, but they don't dare address it because they're like, well, it's negative, it's. It's not fun to hear, and it might, it might affect their platform. It might see the itching ears listening to them might not like it. But it's still part of the stuff that we should know because, you know, the Bible says, God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, there's a certain aspect, a certain quantity of knowledge that we, I believe we should have in, the, in this day and age. And that what I shared tonight is what I believe um, a certain – a part, a part of that anyway. So I wanted to finish by uh, maybe encouraging you to do more of your own research in these matters. Uh, this series, as in the days of Noah, was a by no means exhaustive. Uh, it was long. I mean, there's like over three hours of content, but it was by no means exhaustive. And I'm just going to give you a few things that you can uh, 
research for yourself and see if you can find stuff. I know it's harder than it was to do some research, especially online, but there's still some great books out there, uh, some books on Amazon you can find uh, on top of your online research, but you can research some uh, such things as star forts, star forts. So they're forts in the shape of stars. So uh, Google that, look at these images, consider these strange structures. Why are these things there? What did they serve? What purpose did they serve? Another one you can, uh, other stuff you can look at is stargates. You know, we're told in Genesis 11, uh, the story of um, Nimrod and the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Uh, it's a very interesting story that they built this tower that, that would reach to heaven. I don't know if it was a tower that was solely built on, on height. I think there might have been some technology there, such as stargates, because I think that they were trying to pass through gates to access the realms. Remember, Paul told us that he was taken to the third heaven, the third heaven uh, in this other dimension where God dwells. And I think maybe back then, uh, after the flood, they were they were getting back on track and they were getting back some of that technology that they had. Uh, prior to the flood, and uh, I think they had found a way to maybe, possibly, and don't like I said, just I'm just theorizing here. Maybe they found technology that was enable them to build more than just a tower that was high in height, but that might actually help them to uh, go go other places. Anti gravity technology. That's another thing that we know that when you look at a UFO, the way they travel, there there's something there. They have technology, and we know that they gave some to our government. So what is that? What is anti-gravity technology? Could that explain how the pyramids were built? For example, you know, uh, I've heard also um, of uh, government whistleblowers talking about remote viewing um, people or, or, or psychics or uh, people who had certain psychic abilities or who were under demonic influence, literally, were hired by the government to put their gifts to, to use, such as remote viewing, or, or what we call in the vernacular, in regular vernacular, time travel. And according to some of these people, they were able to travel back in time and even forward in time. Now, there's a scary thought. Um, there's a scary thought. Uh, when you think of if that actually exists, what are the ramifications of this? Could this explain perhaps what we call the Mandela effect? Could this have been some some uh, anomalies that were cr created because there was some time travel, some some glitches, some people messed with time? Uh, I know that uh, those who practice uh, witchcraft. Uh, more than witchcraft, but sorcery or witchcraft, they they um, they can come out of their bodies, do uh, out of body experiences, and go spy on people in their homes. That's that is done. I have a book here uh, called "The Witch Doctor and the Man: The City Under the Sea." I'm going to share it with you guys because uh, that's the book here by uh, Pat Holiday and Bishop. Samuel Vagalis Kanko. So he's the witch doctor. 
uh, in the story, he tells basically his testimony. Uh, so he was in Africa. He was a, a witch doctor, and he was raised from a gen from multiple generations of witch doctors. And he tells of what he knows about that realm and how they did things because he's a Christian now. So the book is very interesting. But he said something in the book. He talked about a city under the sea. And what kind of city? Well, it was basically a city ruled by Lucifer, by Satan, uh, and, and his, uh, basically his army. And the, 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 these, these witchcraft practitioners had access to it in their spirit form. They could go there under the sea. And he talked of advanced technology. Now, that's very interesting. Advanced technology where they had like monitor screens or computer screens where they were able to monitor the Christians of the earth. Wow. And as I'm saying this, I'm looking at my, my uh, Logitech camera that's on top of my computer. But, you know, most laptops, they have this little integrated camera. Now they, now they come with a shutter, right? There's a little window that you can shut that camera. But uh, some people, some older models didn't have that little shutter. So the camera was always basically accessible. Uh, but and and also we I've heard about smart TVs uh, back in the day when they first were first coming out. Some people were saying that uh, they they were two way communicators, so they were uh, showing you stuff and, and putting forth sound, but they could also receive either sounds or images. So I, I heard that about smart TVs. Didn't really look into it, uh, but I know that the technology. Uh, that we have on our smart TV where we can uh, do the voice recognition thing and you have to put kind of set it up and put it on so that you can uh, put your uh, smart TV on with using your voice. I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't do that if I were you because then they can monitor what you're saying. It's like a big computer where people are listening to what you're saying. So this, this is very all interesting stuff and it has to do with high technology that is in the hands of the demonic, the fallen ones, the uh, the Nephilim, today's Nephilim, and the, the aliens and all that. And this is the kind of stuff that seems out of this world, well, literally crazy, you know? Uh, I mean, most Christians, even like the regular, even the Christians that, that uh, engage in spiritual warfare and are well aware of demonic activity, even for some of you guys out there, my, this what I said tonight might seem far-fetched or crazy. Uh, but don't don't crucify me. Just do do your own homework, do your own research, and come to your own conclusions. That's all I encourage. I just want you guys to do that. Uh, of course, we've spoken in this series also of uh, the other types of technologies like cloning and genetic engineering, genetic engineering, the mixing of seeds, uh, the, 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 the the changing of of seeds of of all kinds of things that. And on and on, and the list goes on and on and on. The point is, I believe that what we have today is a lot like it was in the days of Noah. And that we are uh, indeed, I think, this generation that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ. My heart is in this. My hope is in this very much. Um, very, very much. We live in dire times. Uh, hold on. 
Christ is the ark today. Jesus Christ is our ark. He is our safe place. God is our safe place. We always have hope in him, always. No matter how dire these things may seem, no matter how much of a, a, a big hand the enemy seems to have, that's all what he seems to have, but he who is in us is, is greater than he who is in the world. So we must always remind ourselves of that. As we learn these things, as we understand these things, as we pray against these things, which I hope you're doing, it's, it's one thing to learn about it, but you want to use the, the, exactly the power that is greater in you to bring these things, these strongholds down, to expose the darkness with the light. That's what we want to do. So I'm going to conclude this three-part series tonight, again, like I did last time with Misty Edwards, the Days of Noah song. Uh, and I, I hope this broadcast has blessed you. If it has, make sure you share it. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and like this video. Always, uh, I'm always interested in reading your comments if you have some comments. And, and I pray that God blesses you abundantly in the coming days, in the coming weeks. And we live in interesting times, that's for sure. Um, be strong. Be strong in the Lord these days. We all need to be strong. Uh, I have friends sometimes who, who write to me and, and they're worried. Uh, and it's normal. I get it. I have my moments when I'm wor when I, I worry too. But we shouldn't worry. We should always, when we worry, we should take that thought, that thought captive to Christ, back to our hope. He's our ark. See, Noah didn't worry. Well, he, maybe he did. He probably did. He was human, right? But he knew he was building an ark. He knew what he was doing. He knew there was going to be something to hold him in the storm. And we have that in Jesus Christ. That's our hope. And uh, I promise next week, we're going to do something lighter. Uh, actually, I wanted to start a series on uh, about purpose. So that's going to be uh, really awesome. It's going to be uh, a long time coming with a ministry called Thriving on Purpose. I really want to dive deep into purpose. And I really want to give you a great uh, teaching, compilation of teachings and insights that are really going to help you. So be sure to be there next week. And God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I will leave you now with Misty Edwards' song, The Days of Noah. God bless. Time, time is ticking by And I can feel an explosion inside And time, time is ticking by And I can feel an explosion inside As in the days of Noah As in the days of Noah They'll be drinking, marrying, laughing As in the days of Noah What a fool they say To build a boat on sand What a fool they say
It's too late. It's too. 